When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome in. It is Reaction Monday. Doing things a little bit differently today. We're going to have the Garnet Trust Hour now from 9 until 10. Have Extra Point and the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, of course, from 11 to 12. The reason we are mixing things up, Tyler Head and Chris Clark along with you in the Hearn and Chevrolet Studios. We have a guest with us today on the Garnet Trust Hour. Second time through, I believe. Is that correct, Chris? That's uh, right. Yeah, Number so, two for Nick. Uh, that's right. Nick Arzulo joining us once again for the Garnet Trust Hour. Now, I believe last time he was in here, he was the left guard. He is now the center for the Gamecocks football team as the uh, ever-present shuffling of the offensive line has continued over the season. But uh, obviously doing a great job of playing center uh, now for the Gamecocks. Uh, Nick, first of all, thank you so much for taking some time this morning. Uh, excited to have you back. Appreciate you guys having me on. Nick, I was up in your stomping grounds over the weekend. I was in New Haven at Yale, um, went over there and took some pics. Beautiful campus. I can see why you went there. Great I, academics, great campus. You uh, were, were you surprised? or No. that And I did, it did dawn on me, like, this is the closest I'll ever get to a Yale education. I was going like, to say, are I, you smarter now that you've <laughs> hung, up, hung out there for a day? I mean, yeah, I kind of felt like it. I, I had a little bit of it rub off on me, hopefully. We went to uh, the Rare Books collection over there. That was pretty sweet. The uh, the Beinecke Library? Beinecke Library. There you go. I I, uh, we talked a little off air, but you know, you had a glaring omission mm-hmm. of visiting New Haven and uh, and not getting any pizza. That was the, the rumor I heard. You heard correctly. Complete failure. We had a tight window. Um, I went by and saw Dante Reno at his school at Cheshire Academy in Connecticut that morning. And he also sent me uh, some recommendations. I think there were maybe six or seven restaurants on his list, and like four of them were pizza places. And so I, I totally I recognized my failure. But you said so. You said New Haven style pizza is different. How? It's uh, it's thinner crust. It's it. You know, you would look at it and be like, "Hey, this this pizza's burnt." Um, you know that that's the uh, that's the, the charred s- bottom. Yes, correct, okay. correct. So I. I uh, Portnoy claims it as the pizza capital of the world. If uh, if you haven't seen that, how is it? So is it like like New York? Is it kind of like New York style with the charred bottom? Is that, yeah, is that I, I, it's a little thinner. It's a little even thinner. thinner. Yeah, yeah. So no flop, really. No f- minimal flop. <laughs> minimal <laughs> see, flop. See, he's gonna have to take you up there himself and show you where to go. I agree. I mean, we, next yeah, time. Yeah, we, we we need a few days. We'll get it done. Now, did you get any Nick Argillo stories while you were up there? I didn't. Um, I saw somebody that had uh, like a Yale football sweater on. Now, it could have just been a student. But I thought, hey, this might be a football player. And so I almost accosted him and almost got him to regale me with some stories. But I, <laughs> I decided not to. But there are stories I've heard. I, uh, I think there'll be a few. Uh, you know, if you talk to the right people, you might get a, All good. Might get a few laughs. <laughs> a few laughs for sure. Uh, but we also, in seriousness, we found out something else coming in here too. And so this, this is why we have you on here too. Find out information. I completely failed at something else. I did not realize that it is possible, in theory, for you to come back next season. 
you might have another year. Yeah, I I, I would have to petition uh, medically for another one in uh, um, 2021. I only played four games, right. so that would uh, technically be a redshirt year. Um, and then we I had COVID. You know, COVID had the whole uh, omission of a season, and then uh, my first year. Um, I only played in one game, so I had a, a red shirt on that one as well. So it would be uh, it would be year seven, um, which is not, you know, maybe five years ago that would be a, a little ridiculous. But uh, nowadays in college football, it seems like, you know, there's a lot of year six, year seven, year eight guys. There's the tight end into Miami that's going to be going for his ninth year next year to hear about <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, setting records. Do, do you draw the line at nine? You'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm good. I'm out on nine. <laughs> yeah. um, but, yeah, it's definitely something uh, um, I'm thinking about and, and I'll keep on my radar and um, obviously make a decision uh, after the season. Yeah, so I was going to say, what what is the process for that? As far as you know, you got these you got these two regular season games. Depending on what happens in these next two games, there may be a bowl game. You obviously have been in school a while. You've done well for yourself at Yale. You've done well for yourself here. So you've got you know the potential of thinking about the NFL. Um, so kind of what goes into that decision and then, you know, what what will you consider? I, I think, you know, I'll give you a, a boring answer, um, <laughs> which is not great for, for radio, but <laughs> I did the same sort of thing when uh, when I was thinking about the transfer portal, um, yeah. you know, after my senior year this past season. And it was, listen, I'm going to I'm going to think about it after the year. The main priority here is is Kentucky on Saturday and, and, and uh, Clemson the week after. But. The main focus is uh, is finishing out this year strong, and then you know obviously uh, you know whether we're prepping for a, a bowl game uh, coming up, then um, you'll I'll have plenty of time to to really dissect that and and uh, and think about that decision. Let's talk about the game on Saturday a little bit against Vandy. So you know best performance of the year I, I think, and certainly the largest margin of victory all year, uh, forty one point win. You know, offense puts up 47 points. What's your kind of just broad general overview of how things went on Saturday? Yeah, I thought uh, I thought we played um, a complete second half. I think offensively uh, we were a little frustrated at times in the first half where we left. Um, it seemed like, you know, we left 14 points out there uh, and could have been up a lot bigger going into to halftime. But, you know, it just shows the resiliency. Um, I thought the defense played a heck of a game and, um, obviously holding them to, to six points, and, and, and that came on the first play of the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, outside that, um, you know, you know they were playing really well. My, my buddy Boogie Huntley, who I know is a, a frequent on this show, uh, it, seemed <laughs> like, right. it seemed like he was everywhere. Um, and then, obviously, special teams uh, did a nice job blocking that punt and returning it. So in all three phases, um, you know, it seemed like we took a step forward. It's obviously been a, a frustrating season. Having a win like that that's so – convincing and again you still have to win these final two games to get to a bowl game but what does that do from a confidence standpoint for the entire team it definitely it definitely helps confidence I think that we are on a uh, you know the situation that we were in as a as a two and 16 we had to take it uh, week by week here in, in November and so uh, week one and week two are, are in the books and, and now you have confidence going into to week three to really make a run here at things how has the train well, let's back up first. Before we ask about kind of how the transition has gone to center, what was it like? Take us back to when the staff, I would assume, came to you and said, hey, we're moving Vershawn out. You know, we're going to kick him out to right tackle. We're moving you over to center. It was not new for you. You've got a lot of experience playing center at your previous stop. But 
walk us through that process of what that was like. Yeah, so it happened um, after the Tennessee game. Uh, going into that bye week, we had uh, we had that two weeks of prep, and obviously, uh, as we talked about before, the the injuries and and uh, you know some of the bad luck we've had on the O line um, has forced a, a little bit of shuffling around and, and some depth issues. So, um, you know, coaches felt like this would give us the best opportunity uh, to go out there and put a good product out on the field, and and so we made that transition for uh, for the Florida game. Um, and been sticking with it ever since. I say, how excited were you guys that you finally got to have a cohesive starting lineup two weeks in a row this past weekend? <laughs> yeah, it, feel, it feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. What? Um, how was it getting back out there and playing center? You know, it's been. I know you've been snapping like in practice. You've repped it here, but in game, this is the first time in a while. So, did it feel just like old hat, like not much different, or, or how was it? Um, I'd say I'd have my, you know, fair share of struggles here in, in the past, uh, five weeks, I think five weeks I've been playing it. Um, you know, it's a little bit slower, right? You got to make all the calls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got to snap the ball. Um, and, and so it definitely slows you down a little bit. Um, as opposed to playing guard, you know, you put your hand in the dirt and you know, you're just rolling. Yeah. Um, but you know, the transition has been good and, and, uh, you know, as you get later in the season, everyone's got a few uh, more starts under their belt and, and is confident in uh, in their abilities. So, you know, it, it's been uh, it's been good this far. You have told us before, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that left tackle is the toughest spot on the offensive line. Is center the second? I think you go both tackle spots, and okay. then and then you go into and then you go into center. really yeah, okay. just because yeah. just because you're on an island all the time. That's I right. Think, uh, you know, obviously, um, you got to give big time credit to Brashawn, right? Bumping out um, from center out to right tackle, and he's done an excellent job. And he's had uh, his share of injuries this year with with, with what he's dealing with with his knee. Um, but he just goes out there and battles. I mean, you got to respect a guy like that. I think Brashawn has now played, and I can't remember if it's in game, but I'm pretty sure he's played every single spot on the line now at Carolina, whether it was in a game or in practice. I think he started his career playing left tackle, you know, played center for the first time this year. He's played the guard spots. Like, he's he's done all of it. Pretty impressive. I, I know for sure in practice I've seen him at all five spots. Okay. But uh, when you watch some film from last year, too, it seems like he's in – I've seen him at right guard. I saw yeah. him, uh, you know, so he's he's been around. Have you played all of them now in your career in-game? I In-game, no. I haven't played right tackle in-game. Okay. I didn't think so. Yep. No, no, uh, no right tackle snaps for me. <laughs> as far as playing center goes, how much of a challenge was the uh, wet conditions this weekend for you? Um, it was, I mean, I, the shout out to the equipment staff. I think I had a new towel um, every single time that I walked off the field. I, you know, I felt like Spencer in a sense of I had a guy following me around with, a, <laughs> with one of those. But, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a little different. Like, you know, the uh, conditions didn't, you know, make it forgiven. As you saw, we had a, uh, I had a bad snap in the, in the second quarter. And, and I know that, uh, there were some issues on special teams. Vanderbilt struggled as well, um, in, early in the first quarter. And then I think on the pump block, that snap bounced, um, about a yard shy. So you saw what it, you know, what it could do, uh, you know, what it could do to your mechanics. Yeah. Do y'all practice any with like, you've heard stories in the past of people, you know, dunking the ball in a bucket of water or something like that did, did y'all i mean y'all wrap that any during the week yeah, on yeah late on thursday and then on friday when the forecast kind of solidified we were uh we were dunking the footballs and spraying the the water bottle on it when you're about to snap so 
Seems like that would, uh, we'd have to ask Spencer about it, but um, y'all still aired it out pretty good, you know, given, given the circumstances. I know there were some drops. To me, I, I kind of look at the drops as being a little bit more uncharacteristic, which to me kind of points to the weather, I think. So it's tough conditions. I would say uncharacteristic as well, but li- like you said, it seemed like it wasn't raining for Spencer. You know, <laughs> okay. he, he, he was throwing it, he, he was throwing it all around there. All right, we'll have more with Nick Argillo as the Garner Trust Hour rolls along here on a Reaction Monday on the game. Welcome back in. It is the Garnet Trust Hour here on your Reaction Monday. Tyler and Chris along with you in the Hernan Chevrolet Studios. Today's guest, Gamecock Center, Nick Gargiulo, hanging out with us until 10 o'clock. And Nick, going back to this past weekend's game, again, we've talked about it. There's been so much shuffling on the offensive line with injuries and everything. But, but keeping Spencer clean the entire game on Saturday from a confidence standpoint, just like winning the game the way they all did, how big is that for you guys up front? Definitely a, a goal for us um, prior to the game was, you know, we didn't want to let up uh, any sacks. And, and you know, you got to give some some credit to Spencer there too. Um, obviously he had great pocket presence and, and uh, you know, needed to uh, roll out when, when the time arose. But, uh, you know, we protected well and, and it's a, a kudos to, to the other four guys out there playing well. And, and, and you know, it's going to be good for us. Uh, to have that under our belt going forward. Since last time we talked to you, you've now gone through a bunch of games with Spencer. I can't. Did we have you before the season? I think. Yeah, I don't yep. know if y'all yeah, even play. Yeah. yeah, y'all hadn't even played a game yet. So you'd seen Spencer in practice, gotten to know him, but now you kind of been in the trenches with him, so to speak. How impressed have you been with him? Just going back, like seeing what he does in games, and then going back when y'all review film on Sunday and throughout the week, just seeing what he can do week to week. Yeah, I don't know if uh, if I take it for granted uh, almost, but he's been exceptional. And even if you look at um, those incompletions that he has, you know, basically over the course of the season, um, it's either been a, a lack of protection or, or or a drop. Like that's you know probably. 75% plus of his, his uh, incompletions are, are because of that. And, um, you know, he's just been incredible and and uh, and really an asset for us. Yeah, that's the – we actually had him in here pretty recently. And, you know, I know the a big thing that he talked about was just cutting down on using his terminology, dumb turnovers, right? Like when he's had interceptions, you look at him, some of them have been later in games when you're kind of – quite honestly, you got to force it a little bit. Like, it's a, it's a throw game. Like, you've got to make something happen. But overall, the offense has done a really good job of taking care of the ball this year. I know it was a big priority for Coach Beamer. He called it embarrassing last year. He was very forceful about it in the offseason with what he thought. But what do you attribute that to as far as just not just Spencer, but the entire offense being able to take better care of the ball? You know, knock on wood about the uh, the turnovers. Obviously, That's right. we've, we've done a nice job uh, – this season and I think it's uh because it's prioritized in practice I know um you know at the offensive line's not having uh ball security drills but I know that all the <laughs> skill positions and and you know for quarterbacks running backs receivers um you know minimum 10 15 20 minutes dedicated every single day uh to protecting the football and and when you do that and you win the turnover battle you give yourself an opportunity to win the game Spencer was also telling us you know I, I haven't really thought about this a lot especially not as of late but he mentioned that there's kind of an art as a quarterback to being able to get down and protect yourself, and he has been really good at that. You know, I didn't really think about that, but if you kind of go back and watch him, when he knows, hey, I'm I'm kind of I'm pinned in here. 
Like, he does a really good job of getting down and protecting the ball and, and protecting himself. Outside of the pocket, too, the only um, exception to that is uh, I remember that run versus Florida. <laughs> uh, when he uh, when he hit-sticked that, uh, that yeah. guy on, on the far sideline, I think that, you know, maybe Loggins wasn't too thrilled that, that he <laughs> threw his shoulder down, but, but he, uh, he, uh, he laid a little hit there. So it's scouting report time. All right, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on some of your teammates, especially, again, now that you've been through, you know, 10 games with these guys. I want to get some thoughts on some players that you've had an opportunity to go through battle with. Let's start on the offensive line. Y'all are playing a couple of young guys up there in, in Tree Babalade and Trovon Ball. So let's let's start with Tree. I know he's banged up a little bit, but very first start he had, <laughs> hey, you're playing the toughest position on the field. Here's Georgia. Good luck, right? So, I mean, <laughs> what what have you what have you seen out of him? Um, yeah, getting thrown in the fire and at Georgia too. So, yeah, so your yeah. left tackle at Georgia versus the <laughs> the the number one defensive line for the past three years, right? Um, but no, he he's done an excellent job and and uh, continues to get better um, as the season has has gone along. And um, like you said, he's dealing with you know uh, some bumps and bruises where he. Uh, you know, he wasn't necessarily going to play versus, uh, I, I believe it was Missouri, right? And then uh, we had a few injuries, and, and he stepped up uh, to the call. But like I said, he's just continued to develop. Um, and, you know, the ceiling is uh, is pretty pretty dang high for, for a guy like that. So so he's done a nice job. And obviously he was a pretty highly touted recruit, so there was an expectation that he was going to be able to come in and hopefully contribute early and obviously the injuries kind of forced him into that situation but what do you see out of a guy like him where you know he can be successful getting thrown into that role so quickly in his career uh i think it's i think it's a twofold first you know you see his frame um and then you see how fast his feet move and you're like well that doesn't really make sense right like (laughs) how's this dude so big and moving so fast and then uh the the other portion of it is the want to right He, he he uh he made the decision early on when he when he came in the summer that you know he was going to make a push to to play this season and uh, contribute to this team and so when you have that mix it usually uh, pans out well for a player right so so he's done a nice job balancing the two. The other freshman that's seen substantial time this year is Trovon Ball and so I asked Vershawn when he was in here for his Trovon Ball scouting report and I think this was either before the season or early. And his his scouting term was that he was a sweaty guy. That's what he gave. <laughs> on to, okay, so I, I was looking for a little bit more of maybe like on field, but uh, but he went with sweaty. So what is your assessment of of Tro? Um, I'll give a I'll give you a little funny one that uh, uh, you know when we're going against him in practice, you know the O lines obviously got to service each other. You mm. never want to be on the uh, holding the bag for Trovon. That's you know because he's got such heavy hands. And his punch is so strong that really? they're like, oh, listen, I don't want to, you know, if he misses with this punch, it's going to hurt pretty bad. <laughs> so uh, he's uh, he's done an excellent job like uh, like Tree has. But you could have, you know, I could have told you that he was going to work him, work his way into the lineup at some point this season just based on how he works um, in the weight room and off the field. So, so he's an excellent teammate. Um, and very, very similar to Tree. His ceiling is uh, exceptionally high. It's hard to believe those guys are freshmen. They, uh, just when you look at them, just and and starts wise too. You're at the end of the season. It it almost feels like they're not right. right they have right. Uh, each of them. I think they have eight starts under their belt um, at this point. And how much do they, uh, you know, go to a guy like you that's played so much college football for advice or anything like that um, for them coming along? 
I think it's you know it's bigger than that in in a room sense, right? How how much can you rely from uh, different guys in the room? You all have uh, a different um, asset class that you that you bring uh, to the rest of the guys, and so um, definitely some some questions here and there. But I, you know, I'm also going to them and seeing some. You know, when you break down film on Sundays, everyone does different things well, um, and then you're kind of trying to chase that for your own game and, and make yourself a well-rounded player. Let's move away from the O-line now and, and talk about some of the other guys. So offensively, Josh Simon's really come on past couple weeks. Another Garnet Trust Hour alumni. I'm, I'm sure there's no link there at all. You know, guys who come know. on the show just happen to play well. Which, by the way, we're expecting a great game out of yeah. you on Saturday. That's <laughs> yeah. how it's usually it'll, be, it'll be your best. There's no doubt. Uh, but Josh Simon, this guy, he, uh, he has violence on his mind when he catches the football. Six forced missed tackles, which led the team on Saturday. And, and, and he likes to run people over. So the clip that plays over in my mind, I think it was against Florida as well. Yeah. Uh, when he caught that little, it was like I think a three-yard out or something, and he took it to the house uh, <laughs> and ran over the, the Florida defender. And, and, and you know, the, the training staff had to run out for, for, uh, for the other team. But uh, he's, a, he's a great teammate, and, and you could see he's got a little identity to him that he's going to play violent and he's going to play physical. And so uh, when Trey went down, his role obviously got expanded um, and he's done an excellent job stepping into that, embracing it, and uh, and raising the standard for that room. Yeah, it seems like they're probably staff's probably going to have a hard time keeping him off the field. Even with, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you definitely want Trey to come back because he's an asset. But Josh has really proved himself, I think. And he's got he's played a lot of college football too. I mean, he's yeah. played multiple years at Western, and you know, set he's in the record books there. Like he's had, he's had a really good career. I think maybe you'll see some more 12 personnel when the, the two of them come That back. would make sense, yes. We'll continue our conversation with Nick Arjula on today's Garnet Trust Hour here on a Reaction Monday on the game. And welcome back in to the Garnet Trust Hour. Tyler, Chris, and Nick Arjulo along with you on this Reaction Monday morning. We'll have plenty of thoughts to share as the day goes along from South Carolina's 47-6 win over Vanderbilt this past weekend. Uh, Nick, as we've already mentioned, you've been on the show before, but Chris said I believe it was prior to the season. So I do have to ask, you know, given the fact that you go from Yale to South Carolina, was there a definitive, like, I don't want to say welcome to the SEC moment, but like welcome to FBS football moment for you this year? Uh, I think, you know, the stretch from from game three on when you get into SEC play was, was definitely uh, different. The consistency amongst teams throughout the season has been um, I would say the biggest difference um, even looking into obviously UNC uh, has seen some success this year to start off with them but really your your gauntlet of, of playing Georgia and, and playing Texas A&M and at Tennessee you know you really got to look into to some of the best defensive linemen and linebackers in the country. Is there a definitive lineman or linebacker that you've been matched up with that kind of stands out above the rest? Uh, I don't want to give any bulletin board materials. <laughs> I'll say no, but um, I know that the the Georgia front and the uh, and the Tennessee front uh, obviously gave us trouble. So so I would say them. Yeah, and I, I thought you know honestly the the Texas A and M front have been lauded as possibly the best in the country, one of the best, and statistically they certainly are slash were. And I thought you guys had. For the circumstances, a good game, you know, against them. 
We, uh, I think that's the most frustrating part for for our team and obviously the the fan base as well. It feels like uh, every single game um, we've had opportunities, you know, after halftime uh, to to really make a push and and win these games. And um, you know, we're just staying the course and 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 continuing to grow to to allow ourselves later in the season to to close on these games and and win them. When you look at the injuries up front on the O line. You know, it's. Is there anything you can put your finger on, like just bad luck? I mean, it's been a rash that you don't you don't really see a lot, to be to be quite frank. I think the in season injuries. I don't I don't think any of them have been uh, non contact. We've had some like Trey Jones get uh, rolled up on mm-hmm. by a defender. Vershawn's was rolled up on by by a defender. Same with Tree. Case um, and Henry Case against and UNC. Henry. Yeah. Yep, correct. So. There's not much um, you could do from an O-line standpoint. I know when you're engaged in a block and someone takes out your legs, the you know you just close your eyes and you know pray you're going to get it back up. But uh, it's uh, you know it, it's been unfortunate, but you know we're working through it and, and doing the best we can. So, speaking of Case and Henry, and speaking of the health of this team, how how healthy do y'all feel you are, right? Because there's some guys that have – we know some guys have been playing banged up. Probably everybody's hurt to some degree. You know, you got the difference between hurt and injured. you got some guys that are playing banged up. You've got some guys that are injured as well um, and everything in between. But how, how healthy do you feel this group is, you know, going into this week of preparation against Kentucky? Probably the, uh, the healthiest we've been all season. Um, we continue to get guys back in the fight. Um, and, and back practicing and, and potentially playing. Uh, like you said, you're on week 11 mm-hmm. uh, of an SEC schedule. I could guarantee no one on the team feels good, um, but that's uh, <laughs> I think that's consistent throughout the country. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being the healthiest you've been all season, again, going back to this past week and where you finally had two back-to-back weeks where you had the same starting five on the offensive line, we've talked about this so much this season, how much that – cohesion matters having the same five guys playing together on a weekend week out basis you know from from a nuanced standpoint how big is that as opposed to okay this guy's gonna be right tackle this week this guy's gonna be left tackle this week how much does that affect things from an o-line perspective you have to play five as one so you need uh consistency uh for those five to to really be able to play at your best level and even you see it um in the nfl with with the teams that have the best offensive lines, they've they've played together uh, and been consistent uh, for for years. And so, for us, um, it was definitely good to get one under our belt of of having the same offensive line. And there's a lot of nuanced, uh, nonverbal communication, if you will, uh, that needs to happen on the field with movements and different fronts and stunts and pressures. And so, you saw there were some some stunts this past week. Uh, that we were able to pick up that that maybe we wouldn't have earlier in the season, and that's just a testament to to continuing to to get better as a unit and and work on those. I'll have to go back. Maybe you can save me on this one. There was there was a play where there was a blitz off of the left side that Vandy brought. It must have been a DB, I guess. And I was like, Spencer is about to get rung up, and somebody flew in and picked it up. I don't know if it's a back or a tight end. Do you remember from watching? I think it was uh, Mario, right? Yeah, it they must have been Corner yeah. Cat. Yeah, um, yeah, that's it. That was it. Yep. Yeah, they uh, they dialed up some pressures early on. They were a um, a relatively base team. They played mostly even, and then once we were 
um, kind of beating them up in that. They they went to a mint front, but uh, Rio does a nice job in protection. You know, even uh, even as a small guy, he steps up there and puts his body on the line. So I think we watched that in the team meeting. Small guy, but thick guy. Um, how about his touchdown run where he just squirted out of there? I mean, that was awesome, right? <laughs> he uh, and that's not the the first time he's done that, no. as we've seen over the course of the season. And um, you know, w- what an awesome opportunity for him. Uh, you know, to get the call and, and, and get his number uh, put in there and take advantage of it this season. You know, one thing that really stuck out to me on that touchdown run, if you go back and watch the video, Mario's running full speed. Harbor is beside him. It looks like he's jogging and he's keeping pace <laughs> he with is. him. I mean, like, we know how fast he is and what a freak he is, but, like, when you see it in that context, it's just crazy, right? His speed is his speed is different. I, th- I think everyone uh, understands that so far. You know, I, I definitely wouldn't want to be – uh, a DB in general, but I wouldn't want to be a DB <laughs> lined up uh, against him uh, w- with his speed. So is DB your most feared position? Like, what's the position that you're like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't know. DB is very similar to O line, right? You got to play backwards. Uh, it's the only yeah, two position groups that that play backwards. But um, with my uh, with my body type, I think I'm I think I'm fine. Well, I'm, no, I'm well suited on the O line. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm I think I'm all right here. No, but you can you can pretend. You can pick your like body type, so <laughs> right like oh, when in this exercise you can be whatever you want. What would I least want to be? What would you least want to be? And then what would you would you still want to be an O lineman if you I, could I, pick yeah, your? No, I, I'm an O lineman three. That's, that's your wanna, mentality. Yeah, I, I would salt of the earth. I think people. yeah, even though they do play backwards, it would be DB. Those guys cover the most yardage, I think. So uh, you know, I, I, I want to stay very far away thankless job, kind of like the O line. Yep. Yeah, I mean, hey, if they make a mistake, you're gonna you're gonna know about yeah, it absolutely. in the secondary. So we see guys like Tonkin and Boogie getting to be on the offense and score touchdowns. Would you ever want to be on the defensive line and maybe go after a quarterback for once? They uh, those guys have some fun, it seems, right? But they get the best of both worlds. They get to be a, a D lineman, and then uh, after all the hard work's done, the three yard line comes around. All of a sudden, you look over and Boogie and Tonker, and you're like, "What the heck?" <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, even with the D line, like we were talking to TJ about it. Um, the Furman game, you know, they were getting, they were getting cut all game. That's not fun. That doesn't seem fun to me. Like if you're a D tackle, and you play this team, you're like, good God, like I'm gonna get my legs cut every single play. So like you can't, you can't really do much. Like you just take on a cut block. That's all you can do. Or you're taking on a double team from you and Tro or something. Like that doesn't seem very fun. We uh, the the only time I I, I really thought of that, I think we were watching film for Georgia and uh, they played UTSA prior. I think the week prior, and and all UTSA was doing was cutting them, and I was mm. like, oh, this <laughs> that's bad, you yeah, know. Not, I don't know. Not fun at all. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be. I uh, wanted to sign up for that. Let's get your thoughts on on another person who's not a player. Uh, you know, now that you've had the the benefit of going through all these games this year, and that's Dowell Loggins, offensive coordinator. You know, what have been your thoughts on just how he's administered the offense this season? Yeah, uh, Coach Loggins is is definitely one of the best coaches that I've ever had, and. Uh, he's a great man and, and mentor for us. Um, and then, you know, schematically, he's given us um, a lot of help on the O-line with, with certain chips and uh, keeping the tight end in the protection and moving the pocket around to, to help us out and, and get through some of the, the rough patches of the season. So he's done an excellent job. The guys have complete uh, and total trust and respect for him. So, um, you know, an excellent job so far, I'd say. We'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Garden Trust Hour with Nick Gargiulo. Aaron Reaction Monday on the game.
Welcome back in. It is the Garnet Trust Hour. Tyler and Chris along with you, joined by Nick Arzulo for a few more minutes on this Reaction Monday. Nick, obviously your primary focus this week is going to be Kentucky coming up on Saturday night, 730, which you'll be able to listen to right here on the game. But Saturday afternoon, pretty big game going on at noon up in New Haven. Yale and Harvard. Yale has the opportunity to claim a share of the Ivy League title with a win this weekend. Yeah, they just, uh, I was just talking to Chris about it. They won um, versus Princeton this past weekend in uh, in double overtime. So they had a little slow start to start the year. I think they were two and three, but rattled off uh, rattled off some big wins, and and they're going to be playing for a conference title. Shout out to Yale head coach Tony Reno, father of Gamecock quarterback commit Dante Reno. Just saw Dante uh, over the weekend. Yeah, they they've definitely rebounded and had a really good year. And we were also talking about man, there's. There are good players in the Ivy League. Like, you came from the Ivy League to the SEC. We were just talking about the fact that Princeton has a big-time offensive lineman that could go to the NFL. You said Yale has another offensive lineman that could also go to the NFL? Uh, they got two, uh, two? Karan Amagaji and, and John Mendoza. So it'll be interesting to see um, when the portal opens in a couple of weeks what, what guys decide to do, um, uh, transfer or, or declare, right? Do you think um, – and maybe this is a, a better question for, like, a Tony Reno, but give us your players' perspective. Do you feel like coaches at, you know, Ivy League programs, FCS programs, smaller schools, is it even harder now for them to manage their roster? Because with the with the proliferation of the transfer portal, if you have a player who's showing out, who has, like, pro potential, they're going to have schools coming after him, right, trying to poach him, or, or that player may think about, hey, let me let me level up go prove myself at another school is it even harder to manage your roster i think the the second point that you made is is um more impactful for the fcs schools right you come out of high school and you're not getting the attention you think you deserve why not go to an fcs program you know if you play put together a a good year you, you don't even need to put a few you just need to have one good season <laughs> and right. uh, and the schools will come knocking um on that note and i think you and chris talked about this when you were on the garnet trust hour before but at what point while playing at Yale did you realize that you had the skill and the opportunity to play at a higher level? Like, what was that kind of moment for you, if there was one? I uh, I think it was – I don't think there was any specific moment. I came into to Yale. I was 262 pounds when I uh, when I first enrolled, and um, I think I just continued to, to, to grow and, and, and um, develop. Uh, you know, I had an excellent O-line coach in Al Netter who's now – uh, the co-o line coach at Stanford, who, he just took this uh, the job this past season. Um, you know, so I continued to develop, and, and opportunities arose for me, and, and I just took advantage of them uh, when I had the chance. As you've gone through this season in Columbia, um, I know we talked to you a little bit about this last time because you you know you'd had some time to get acclimated, but um, uh, update your thoughts for us, if you will. What have been uh, what's your take on? Just your experience here overall in Columbia, not just on the field and not even just as a part of the football program, but just you know living here in Columbia and being part of things. Yeah, I mean, I love it here in Columbia, and I think the uh, you know the football perspective. It's you know how I would describe it is that the only people who believe in us are, are uh, you know this team and this community, right? And mm-hmm. that's why um, I know there was there's so much frustration early in the year because. Uh, there's high expectations and, and high standards for South Carolina football. And, um, you know, if we didn't have that belief uh, in the locker room and, and in the community, I don't think that frustration would be there. Um, but but just an excellent 
uh, you know, place to spend the, the past year and um, couldn't say enough good things about South Carolina and, and being a Gamecock. So we hear from Coach Beamer quite a bit through his media availabilities and everything. And, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve at times. He's an emotional guy, sometimes in good ways and sometimes in not so good ways. But what's he like in the locker room, you know, away from the cameras, away from the microphones with you guys? You know, I said this about uh, logins uh, in the last segment, but as a coach, you, you just want to earn the trust and respect of the players, right? And so um, I think Coach Beamer has done an excellent job of earning um, – the trust and respect from the guys in the locker room. And so he's an, uh, an excellent mentor uh, and an excellent coach for us. Uh, and I know under his leadership, this program is going to get to where it wants to be. Is there some type of art to how Coach Beamer has been able to keep the team engaged pretty consistently? And, and I know this is your first year from with the program, but even if you look back at 2021 and 2022, and even this year, there have been times where – multiple times where the team's kind of been written off, left for dead. And you see at other programs, sometimes that leads to the the season kind of falling off a cliff. And that really hasn't happened here. Um, so is, is there something that he's able to do, some skill he has that is able to keep everyone engaged even after really, really tough games? I think it, it, it falls back on the, the people he's recruited um, to come into this program. And, and the, the first – um, and foremost, the, the priority is football and people who love uh, the game. So uh, I think the the consistency um, and that message, uh, you know, regardless of, of outcomes early in the season, you got guys who are bought in uh, to the long term success of this program. So you know, what's the what's the alternative, right? To to fold or, or step up to the you know step up to the plate and and take advantage um, of the opportunities you're given, you know, regardless of, of outcome. Is it hard to black out the noise in a season like this where obviously a lot of people have opinions and, and takes on what's going on and what should be done within that team? And obviously it's it's hard to ignore in today's world and everything, but but how much of that does get into the locker room? I don't know if if much does. I, I think the, um, the consistent message is having belief in yourself. I know um, – you know, a lot of people wouldn't be in that locker room today if they didn't, you know, believe in themselves and didn't listen to people uh, who were writing them off. But, you know, you, you can't listen to, you know, the critics. We have so much positive support and positive energy in this community and this fan base, um, you know, that that we're encouraged and, and stay in the course. So Kentucky coming up next Saturday night game. It'll be a great atmosphere, I'm sure. Early scouting report. Don't don't give away too much, obviously, but what do you see? I, I know you're probably going to be paying the most attention to Kentucky's front, right? Their front six, front seven. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on those guys in this matchup? They, uh, they're big and they're <laughs> fast. I think that's yeah. the, the most general uh, the <laughs> most general overview I, I could give. I was watching their uh, front last night, but they got a, a ton of good players and, and, you know, they'll be a great challenge for us. Um, I think the... Uh, ideal approach to this is is continuing to focus on ourselves, uh, improving in the things that we're uh, deficient in at this point, and and being able to go out there and put our best product out on the field. So Darude is going to be in town for the game this weekend. The Sandstorm guy, you a EDM fan? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, uh, I I have not. 
You see, well, Nick couldn't go to the concert anyway. That's Con- true. Concert is going to be uh, it's like oh, oh, four, hold on. I, I, I totally miss it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, saw like that. That. I saw that on Twitter. That's going to be awesome. Right? But I, I think yeah, he might be awesome. doing something on the field before the game, too. I, well, I, imagine, I, so. I think he's probably going to um, – I'm wondering if he's going to come out of the train. Ooh, that that'd be cool. Hopefully you know? no rain. Uh, yeah, we had to go week, old school cocky this past weekend. Yeah. Back to the, the yeah. magic box this past week. So. Which pleased some. Some yeah, people aren't definitely. on board with the, the train. Not everybody likes the train. Okay. okay. Well, hey, Nick, thanks so much for taking so much some of your time this morning. We know you're a busy guy, and uh, glad to have you in here, and uh, good luck for these last couple games of the season. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. That was the Garnet Trust Hour with today's guest, Nick Gargiulo. Coming up next, it is the Extra Point as Reaction Monday rolls along here on the game. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.